0: Thanks for listening to episode two of the Bulldog Madness Podcast, brought to you by Creme 2. I'm Darnay Tripp. Uh, as always, with Evan Klosky and Evan, for the first time, we have a special guest. We're bringing the heavy hitter. Ram is in the building. What's
1: going on, man? Not too much. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, episode two, what an honor.
0: I know. It's talk about starting with a bang. I mean, we kind of got our feet wet last week, and... Uh, Want to get you involved hopefully we might get some uh, others as well but we're putting you to work today we got this then another episode of off the bench coming up you can find that on the creme 2 youtube page a lot to get to uh we haven't done that you know uh in a few weeks and and a lot has happened with uh, saint mary's and now going up to first place and we'll start by discussing that all here i'm curious your reaction and knowing the team and the coaches what their reaction was to St. Mary's losing, because we've talked about this here at the station, there's pros and cons on both sides of it. Obviously you want St. Mary's profile to be as good as possible, but you of course want uh, first place in the regular season title and all that. What do you think the coaches and to some extent the team's reaction was when they lost and all of a sudden you guys in the driver's seat again?
1: I mean, that was pretty much just a gift from St. Mary's. <laughs> um, you. Your plan is just to take every game one at a time and and uh, extend the win streak and then share the t- uh, league title with them, but with them going to San Fran and, and dropping that one, that helps a lot with the uh, WCC standings. Obviously the first goal of the year, I guess the first goal is to win your uh, preseason tournament. Then you want to win all your non-league games, but then once you get in a league, you always want to win your league prior to the uh, league tournament and then moving forward to the NCAA. So, I think they're happy. We don't really care about their resume. We just care about us and getting to the tournament. So,
0: that's interesting. There, there's so much talk on the outside about resumes and yeah. all that, and uh, so it's hard to know how much the coaches really, uh, you know, gripe about that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, they don't put a lot of weight on other teams, and they basically just they try to schedule the best teams possible to start the year, and it's the other teams' jobs to to win and take care of business on their end. So, we just do what we need to do and. Uh, We don't really let any of that talk get in the way.
0: I know Evan's been knee-deep in all the quadrants and (laughs) team sheets and all that that, stuff. That's
1: why the RPI is
2: such a flawed metric, because it's based on strength of schedule. So Gonzaga scheduled North Dakota. North Dakota won the Big Sky last year, so you figure they're going to be a good team that they should be represented near the top of that conference just an awful year, you know? I mean, even though they pushed Gonzaga earlier in the year, they just had a terrible season, their RPI is super low, and what does that do? That bumps them into a quadrant four game, which means it it just brings down all of your strength of schedule statistics. So Mm -hmm. like, St. Mary's RPI is better than Gonzaga's, despite the fact I think they only have one quadrant one game. Mm -hmm. One game, and, and like one competitive game that's considered a quadrant one, which is coveted by the committee but their RPI is like 28 I think I checked today because a lot of their games are falling in two and three and not as much in four whereas Gonzaga, just a lot of these teams that they scheduled turned out to be horrendous teams like Texas Southern or Howard and they're in the 300s and it just deflates everything that you've done even though you you played a Florida, a Texas, a Nova, uh, you've got Creighton. I mean you have all these great games and it just, it's a weird metric. I, I cannot I cannot speak more against the RPI. Yeah. It just stinks.
0: How much you know, you during your stretch you have what was it two one seeds another two seed? Yep. Uh, you guys had a lot of years where uh, you did pretty well, and there wasn't a whole lot to complain about in terms of seeding. Uh, again, when thinking about the coaches and their reaction to that stuff, how much weight do you? think they put on it whether it's a 3 or a 4 or a 5 or a 7 or what have you uh, it, it seems like they're so kind of relaxed and laid back about all that stuff they're more concerned about I mean, how are we playing and what right. do the matchups look right. like
1: they truly like i can honestly tell you they don't care about the ranking huh. um winning seeding like in in the tournament they know they know that it's important to uh, be somewhere close to home if possible so you want to be one of those top 4 seeds but they don't get too hung up on that after Selection Sunday, and they answer all that stuff. It's all about preparing for your opponent and getting ready to go win a little two-game series, as they treat it. So um, all those NCAA, so like the preseason tournament, you get you try to uh, treat it like it's an NCAA tournament, and then your conference tournament, same type of deal. And then going into that, you just try to win two games, and that's that's all that matters. You're gonna have to play the best teams from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, after conference ends, it's it's the best. 60 plus teams so you just got to prepare and not not worry about any of those rankings
0: they've had so many interesting kind of situations even just the last two years in the tournament I mean the the quality of teams that they I started with Northwestern I mean a second round game yeah. they played out of their minds <laughs> yeah. and could have very reasonably knocked you guys off last year and you guys survived that test and then two years ago, you're what an eleven seed.
1: Yeah. Start with were seed. we an eleven? I, I yeah. think so. With I the think six. So, right?
0: Wasn't it Syracuse a twelve? We had the 11-12 yeah, yeah. game. Six seed, Seaton yeah. Hall. You guys handle them and then just and dominate. Utah. Utah must have been a three. They were. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they had Yaka Jakapertel. Yaka yeah. We uh, smacked Kyle, them around. Kyle <laughs> Kuzma wasn't even like. I mean, he's a guy that I remember from that game, but yeah. not one of the top two or three guys that you were really focused on going yeah. in. At least from you know our perspective. Um, so situations like that where you guys just all of a sudden turn it on in that 2016 mm-hmm. season where you look kind of dead in the water during yeah. that St. Mary senior night game. Um, and then a year ago, you guys, you know, best team in program history, but you really have to battle in that first weekend. So Evan and I have talked mm-hmm. about, I, I don't know, how it matters. I just don't know how much it really matters, yeah. especially in a year like this where everything's so wide open and even this Gonzaga team's one that has looked like they can play with anybody Mm -hmm. and has looked like they could lose to a lot of programs in the first weekend yeah
1: and just going back to that season like we had to win to even get into the tournament Mm -hmm. so at that time you know you have to win your conference tournament to get in that was one of the most enjoyable years ever because that team really had to come together like put everything aside cut all the outside noise and just play and then we got hot at the right time so that was a really fun year but um, I mean that just tells you, like, we were one of the best teams in college basketball that year. We just didn't show up consistently, and we didn't show up to big games. So this team's done a lot better job in, in some of the bigger games this year. I want
0: to touch on that. We mentioned this. We've talked a lot about that 2016 season, and I think we mentioned this last week in the podcast, how early on in the year, few talked about the lack of leadership, lack of communication, all that stuff. And then I asked them later on in the season, Like has that changed has it gotten any better and he he didn't really answer the question and you got the sense that like no it hadn't really gotten any better but then when you see what you guys did in the tournament something obviously clicked and you guys were very together uh, and you just there was a great spirit and confidence and togetherness about the team what happened there towards the end because something obviously developed
1: yeah i think it's just you don't always need a vocal leader everybody looks for like a vocal leader Mm -hmm but it's more of guys that just start to hold each other accountable and uh, play to their strengths and just like not worry about anything other than winning the games and playing for each other. So once you start to hold each other accountable and you kind of lead by example, that's the success you see. So that I think that was a, a big time difference in our team that year. Does
2: that correlate to the team that we're seeing this year a little bit?
1: Yeah, I don't see much of a vocal leader. Um, Nigel was a vocal leader for us last year, but And obviously Shem we just had experience also but um, you know I don't see a vocal leader I don't know what's going on in the locker room Mm -hmm. I haven't talked to many guys but as you can see when things are going well things are going really well when they're not going well you kind of plummet a little bit so Mm
2: -hmm. well that's the thing also when you look back to two years ago and and I wonder if it helps you entering a tournament is that when you're fighting for your life to get into the tournament you're already in You know, postseason mode, it's already like Mm -hmm. this game could be my last. So you sort of warmed up to the fact of what the tournament is. And what I mentioned on on last week's podcast, I think, is that especially with a team like Gonzaga, when you've been there every year for as long as you can remember, I mean, there are kids at Gonzaga right now that do not know a year where the Zags have not been the NCAA tournament, that has to have a good psychological effect for a team when you show up in those big games saying, all right, like we've done this three years now, whereas maybe you get to another team and it's like that whole daunting experience. New of,
1: experience. Yeah, you know, you're playing yeah. in
2: a big arena and you're playing in front of all these people. I mean, especially those, you know, think of any sort of smaller conference I mean,
1: you're playing in gyms with, with 2,000 people maybe. Yeah, there's definitely a certain expectation in this time of year. Mm-hmm. This is why guys come to Gonzaga mm-hmm. I'm sure the recruiting pitch is that we're going to win our league, we're going to win our conference tournament, and we're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And that's why guys come here. You know, guys transfer in like Jordan, B-West, those guys, mm-hmm. because they know our winning tradition and they know that they want to go deep in a tournament. So w- once you get to that NCAA tournament, it's all about, you know, expecting to win and preparing to win.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you remember about your first trip to Salt Lake City, the Southern game, which yeah. I know, obviously Wichita State, but just what it was like for you to be – you know, in that environment for the first time. It was, I mean, that
1: entire first year was just like it happened so fast, but it really felt like I was just like placed into a movie or something. <laughs> like it was unreal, and uh, that's still probably one of the best teams I've ever played on or witnessed. And the Southern game, we were shaking up a little bit, and then obviously we ran into a buzzsaw with Wichita State, who was just playing the best basketball possible, and they were hanging their hat on playing angry and. They were a really good team, so I'll never discredit them. But we just, I don't know, it it just wasn't in the cards that year. But the whole environment and experience, the travel, everything was so fun. And then from there on out, I wasn't really curious moving forward because I
0: knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. Do you have any uh, memories of, of guys that maybe were pretty wide-eyed by the situation, or maybe even somebody that you played that looked maybe a little overwhelmed by the situation, or or on the flip side, other guys that you'd think, like, th- do they have a pulse? Like, they seem too cool in this situation.
1: Yeah, I, I, don't, I can't think of anybody specifically. Like, the moment wasn't too big for anyone. Um, I think it was just kind of uncharted waters, like, for that team, because... We all expect it to be good, but just kind of the the outside media and everything putting pressure on you as a number one seed. People on campus are high-fiving you constantly. Like <laughs> you're arguably the best team in Gonzaga history before you've even played a tournament game. So I think it like that can wear on you, and that type of stuff can can affect how you prepare and, and kind of get to you. But I mean, I can't think of anybody who was like. Wow, this is like crazy or anything other than myself and Brian Baskar. So, <laughs>
0: what's this time of year like for the guys? Because uh, you're so close, you're almost at Vegas, and once you're at Vegas, you're you're looking ahead to the NCAA tournament. I, I'd imagine it's hard to kind of stay locked in. You get a little anxious.
1: For sure, you get anxious, and you know there's kind of, there's a light at the end of the tunnel where it's a new season. You can't take your eyes off of San Diego or BYU, mm-hmm. but. Um, this is just I think I've talked to you about it before but it's the time of year where guys are kind of banged up and uh, School's creeping in so you got to take care of all that other stuff so that when you go to practice or you go work out You're hundred percent dialed into to what's ahead so it's definitely a refresher after you finish this weekend knowing that you get to go to Vegas and and Go try to win a WCC championship and then that selection Sunday. is just like another life again mm-hmm. and like I talked about earlier, it's just many tournaments that you you treat um, you try to treat them all the same.
2: Hmm. And again, with San Diego and BYU coming up, San Diego being the first game, San Diego beat BYU last week. So mm-hmm. along with the, the St. Mary's upset at San Francisco, San Diego pulled off an upset as well. So this week we had uh, LMU and Pepperdine. LMU was just a, a bloodbath. <laughs> I mean, the good way to put it. They didn't have a couple of their best players, and Gonzaga just, I mean, didn't let them do anything. And then Pepperdine... First off, got to mention that we got a senior night victory. Yeah. So that's good. (laughs) Thank God. Got got that under Good Good scheduling, too. We (laughs) shouldn't overlook that. I'm just going to say it's nice to not have BYU or St. Mary's coming to the kennel with, like, nine balls of fire ready to just ruin your night. But, um, you know, so... And that game was competitive. I mean, first half, it seemed like we were going to get the same exact (laughs) way uh, that it's been ever since that St. Mary's game. They were kind of riding off that high for Mm -hmm. at least five halves, at least. And then the second half was sort of what we've seen in the middle of that WCC schedule of the defense, the attention to detail, everything that Few has been talking about just kind of slip a little bit, and Pepperdine goes on a run there, and it's like, you look up, it's like, this is a two-point game? How did -hmm. did this even happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: there's definitely been a lull this season at times when, uh, I don't know if guys are, you know, losing track of their man or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but there's a time when guys aren't, playing their best and it's coming in spurts but it hasn't really been a full game of that mm-hmm. I mean maybe once or twice but uh, so you see the glimpses of greatness which is what's frustrating and then yeah. you see the low and you're like god are you guys going back to doing this <laughs> so I mean this time of year you really can't afford that from here on mm-hmm. out and especially not against uh, USD and especially not against BYU at their place so uh, we just got to hope that they come out with the I mean the same fire and passion that they have in all the big games and and treat them as
0: such. Is defense your biggest concern? Uh,
1: kind of. Um, I know a lot of these games are very personnel driven and uh, mm-hmm. being removed from it now I don't know guys personnel or where they should be pushing them where the double comes from stuff like that but I feel like if you're locked into the personnel that takes care of a big portion of it so I feel like that could be part of the issue.
2: Hmm. And saying, with going to BYU, what is the environment in Provo like? Because a lot of people on the outside, BYU, outside of maybe when Kyle Collinsworth was there, they really haven't been the same type of program. But, I mean, that the Marriott Center is a premier place to play. And especially yeah. when Gonzaga comes, I imagine that is a, a raucous environment.
1: Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're the most annoying And like the rudest (laughs) fans in the nicest way possible like they'll never just swear at you or anything like that but they'll get on your nerves and they're just constantly on you And that place it feels like they're on top of you the whole time Mm -hmm. but they get it rocking in there and it's a tough place to play and if they go on a little run that place is just erupting so you gotta you gotta be able to kind of combat those runs they make with your own and not let any of it kind of get you out of your game plan or anything Mm -hmm. like that but it's a tough place to play. And last year was quite the game, and it was a lot of fun, but I was really happy to get out of there with a the win thanks to Nigel. I was going to say that was Nigel's big game <laughs> yeah. where
2: I think – and that was sort of where we uh, we evolved last year into saying, like, okay, Nigel's going to be the stopper. Yeah, like, he's the guy. I yeah. think they
0: got as close as five or something, mm-hmm. and Nigel hit a buck, and it was like, all right, well, that's him. That's and, and let's be honest. Two years ago, Josh Perkins hacked Kyle Collinsworth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, there's no question about it. Yeah, definitely. He got away with it. <laughs> he did. What, what I, I about that. What I've – Uh, thought was interesting is when you guys have had trouble with BYU in the kennel um, I think anybody from BYU would say the same things about the kennel that you just said about the Marriott Center, Mm -hmm. just it being a tough place to play, them being on top of you maybe a little impolite Um, (laughs) uh, but Still, both both teams have kind of weathered that road environment. Why do you think that is? Um, is there something just about kind of being behind enemy lines rather than being at home and maybe being a little bit on your heels? I, I just think that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I just think it's – yeah, I think that's a big part of it. But just knowing that you're – no matter what, you're kind of looked at as an underdog going into another team's home court. So that extra umph that just, like, makes you want to hit a three or – back your guy in and get a bucket just to hush the crowd or uh, just to play at your best in, on their turf. I guess not their turf, their court. <laughs> uh, it just means more to guys, I think. So it gives you a little extra motivation to go out there and play your best, and and your effort is always at an all-time high in those games. There's no plays you can take off. So I think that's what you see when we go play there and definitely when they go play in the kennel.
0: If you're down two and few calls a play for you for the win in the final seconds and you can knock down the three-pointer – And mean mug in front of the opposing crowd. Yeah. Do you want to do it at St. Mary's or BYU? I would want to do it at St. Mary's because I would love to do it at
1: both. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not get greedy. (laughs) And then Coach would be crazy if he has me in the game shooting the game winner. But uh, St. Mary's because the year they beat us um, with Will I think yeah, I think it was with Wilch and Don't Watch those guys. They were so like classless after the game to where they're yelling at us when we're walking to the bus. They got people like trying to talk trash to us while we're talking to our parents on the court, stuff like that. So ever since I just looked at St. Mary's a little differently. Like, you know what you guys, you should act like you've been there a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then again, they hadn't really. So,
0: um, yeah, I would like to do it at St. Mary's. <laughs> the The BYU dyna- dynamic is so interesting. I I think it was two years ago. Maybe it was last year. Hearing guys talk about like it's a rivalry and it's super competitive, but those guys are so nice. That's I think Wilcher, are, I think, the thing Wiltshire. I think was saying that. And you know, I remember one thing that always kind of stuck with me is when Ryan Edwards got hurt a couple years ago. Before the WCC tournament, Kyle Collinsworth like spent five minutes talking to him, asking him how he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what what is it like dealing with that kind of dynamic? Where like maybe there's things you want to say in the heat of the moment, but you know, like those guys <laughs> yeah. would never say it to you, and you don't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> like yeah,
1: they're just like genuinely nice guys, and if they trip you, they'll say sorry. And it's just a different type of approach. Like you're not going to say anything. Like I don't know. I can't speak about being on the court, but. I definitely don't want to talk trash or slam anybody who's like says sorry if they fall into you or like like truly wishes you the best of luck in the game it's just a different dynamic and unless you play them and witness it firsthand you can't you, you just don't really know what it's like
2: no yeah. yeah the only uh, exception I could think of was Mika last year during that that 29-0 and game yeah and Mika was playing the crowd yeah, yeah. He, that dude was on I mean that was essentially what Landale did this year too where mm-hmm. he just could not be stopped yeah, yeah. it's like uh, that essentially propelled him into leaving yeah which yep. was you know good news for everybody Create for WCC, us see i was gonna say <laughs> i mean that, that dude is a was a big you would have had him and Yuli child yeah
1: yeah that would have been a tough combo right there that's
2: like a pretty sick count especially like the wcc like how yeah. are you gonna combat that yeah
1: and, that's a good point that's, uh, so, i wasn't a big fan of that the yeah whole, uh, that whole game but yeah, I'm trying especially to the you. ending. <laughs>
2: but uh, I, I actually want to bring back a little bit of, of senior night because and I want to talk a little bit about about some of the players and I first we'll bring up Brian Pete. Uh, you know, obviously you were able to to have a similar experience where outside of the team manager thing, but you know, come off, you make the start and what are the feelings you're having as you're you're making that start and what are you trying to do?
1: Yeah. I mean, from the moment coach you told me I was starting to Like, when I subbed out, Mm -hmm. I've never been more nervous in my entire (laughs) life. Like, I changed my whole pregame, like, plan. Usually, I go home, and I, like, play Xbox and stuff. I was, like, so nervous. I sat in the locker room for, like, 30 minutes after (laughs) practice. Could you eat? Like, no, I couldn't eat. It was just, like... I don't know. I just was thinking so much about not messing up, and I knew we were 29-0, and 0, and there was so much on the line, and, like, the fact that they trusted me. Mm-hmm. So that obviously meant a lot. But once I got into the game, I couldn't even tell you what happened. It was, like, I just remembered telling myself, don't let Emory score whatever you do. Don't let Emory score, and if you're open, shoot it. Um, and so I got out of there, and, it was, I mean, it was a great run to start the game um and say so, yeah you were a
2: part of, i mean what
1: did they jump at like it was like seven three or something yeah, like that but i think we were up seven zero when i came out or I, like not i don't know i think i was plus seven that's all i remember <laughs> but yeah the kennel was i'm biased because that was i was obviously in but that and the brian bascar shot against mm-hmm. lmu his senior mm-hmm. night were yeah. like the two loudest i've witnessed the kennel just because like everybody's there and happy and when they saw me on the court, I think it's always just exciting that yeah. that coach v rewarded me. So mm-hmm. it was an unreal experience. Well,
0: credit to Brian Pete for hunting his shot. I mean, oh he man, wasn't <laughs> shy. he was, he was not shy. <laughs> I was like, I loved it. I was like, three shots. You got yeah. three shots in there. <laughs> I was just always, I mean, I'm really
2: happy you hit the third one because I always just wonder with few being like, all right, uh, yeah, you got your couple attempts in there. <laughs> How yeah. much more are we gonna do this? But you know, I thought last year was was so awesome. Uh, When you got in there because it's like as you said like a 29-0 season like this game was built up and Few still stuck to the structure of his program Which is you know Mm -hmm. being grateful for the seniors and everything Mm -hmm. and I thought that's a true Testament to to someone's character or or a coach when even when you have all the all the chips on the line You know at at that point it kind of paled in comparison to what the tournament would be anyway But to not get caught up in the moment and say, you know, I don't care what our record is we're, we're doing it the way that we always do it and uh, I just thought that's all like an awesome moment for you And for Brian Pete and for mm-hmm. all these players because what makes Gonzaga special is that They know every single player on that bench yeah. and especially at the end of games and blowouts They're yelling all your names at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are always great moments And as you say, those are usually the loudest moments from the kennel.
1: Yeah, and it It says a lot about Coach Few and like the staff, just being able to trust somebody and, Mm -hmm. you know, they genuinely care about each person, one through 15 or however many it is. Mm -hmm. So uh, he knew that Brian P, what he could bring to the table and he knew he's not gonna go in there and be a slouch. So Mm -hmm. uh, he threw him in there and he got a bucket. I was happy for Petey and I I think pretty much everybody was, Mm -hmm. so.
2: And and then also now let's bring up Silas. I'll bring up Silas just because he's a homegrown player and, you know, Silas's background was supposed to redshirt Mm -hmm. This should have been Josh Perkins's, uh, Perkins's, (laughs) whatever, you get what I'm saying, his senior year, and um, of course he gets injured against George at Madison Square Garden, and then Silas Melson has to step into a role that I don't know if he was necessarily preparing for. He's sort of been like Joel Eiai, where, you know, Joel still suits up every game, but Mm -hmm. For all intents and purposes, now we're far enough into the season where he'll definitely red shirt. Mm-hmm. But that's how Silas got started. And then ever since that freshman season, he's kind of been the defensive guy. Mm-hmm. And he, You know, you've had um, Eric McClellan, who was also a very defensive oriented guy, but that sort of has been his role. And especially this year, uh, he's been a little bit more offensively minded and has contributed more than we're used to. And I think one of my, my favorite stat that I always bring up, that Darnay, I think Gonzaga is 38-2 and two when Silas Melson scores double-digit points. Hmm. Wow. So that is an X factor as far as whenever, whenever you're looking at the box score, always look at Silas Melson because if he's in double digits, most likely Gonzaga's going to win those games. And one of those losses, as I mentioned, uh, maybe it was last week or, or maybe I did on Twitter, but it was against Florida where that was a, an overtime game. So you needed extra, yeah. you know, an extra quarter for him to even hit the double digits, which sort of confuses the stat. And uh, SM, SMU was the one game where they legit lost when he had double-digit points. But just, um, Rem, your, your thoughts on Silas mm-hmm. and everything he's done for the program and what he means for, for this team this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Silas, he's done so much, and I grew up in Longview, Washington. He was from Portland, so I always heard about mm-hmm. Silas Melson and Jefferson basketball. So um, when he came in, he was so shy. Like, <laughs> I had no idea if I could ever even get the guy to talk. On his visit, he was quiet. And then just to see how much he's grown now and how much, you know, he's joked around with media and stuff, and, like, he's funny on Twitter. His personality and just him as a person has grown so much off the court and as a basketball player he he sacrificed a ton coming in here and um, kind of thinking he's red end up not red we don't even know if we needed him but mm-hmm. we still played him yeah. um, so his whole mindset just had to change his freshman year and i can tell you he can score the ball and he came in here as a scorer and a shooter and he he knew that he had to be a defender and be a primary stopper to get his minutes and to play more and that's that's what he did And similar to like Gary Bell, you know, Mm -hmm. guys who can score and, you know, taking a backseat to that, I really admire them. And I don't think people know really how much he sacrificed for the program. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I still hear people from Portland and I I talked to his dad and my dad Mm -hmm. and his dad are good friends now, but it's like, If they watch Silas, if he doesn't score 20, they think it's not a good game. (laughs) And in reality, he's guarding their best player, holding them under double digits, and he has 10 himself, and Mm -hmm. he makes his free throws. And so I love Silas and everything he did and sacrificed, and Mm -hmm. I think you guys might have been talking about it on Twitter, but he was a part of the group that helped Gonzaga get over the hump. Mm -hmm. And without everything he did in practice and um, in games, I don't know if we would have got there.
0: What I think is interesting about Siles' story arc is, you know, he has his freshman year, he's kind of thrown in the fire. But sophomore year, he has to take on a much larger role. He's kind of the sixth man off the bench. Mm-hmm. And he really had a tough time offensively. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. He, he, he talked about it later in the season, just how how difficult that was on him and just kind of the mental burden of just not seeing shots fall. And you've seen it at points, even the last this year and last year, where he goes through a bit of a drought, but it never seems to weigh on him mm-hmm. the way it did early on. And that was really when he got through that I think that was a huge turning point for him for his confidence and continuing to like solidify his place in the program and it started with the effort defensively and just let that be your focus uh use your energy there and the offense will come and surely it did and I I think that's I think it's a great lesson for you know anybody that's playing sports um but certainly people around him and then for Silas himself like look I'm just going to put my head down if the shots aren't falling and figure out other ways to help the team and I think that's that's defined his career in a lot of ways.
1: Definitely and you're right uh, a lot of growth from even a sophomore year to where you could see if he was upset about mm-hmm. his game and how he's shooting the ball now if he's not shooting the ball he just hangs his hat on he's his defense stoic. and he's gonna yeah he's just gonna play the same game no matter what and I don't think a lot of people know this, but Salas is really young for his grade too. Like he just turned 21, hmm. uh, mm-hmm. the start of this year. So like he he was young, uh, playing and going from high school level to throwing the fire. He he did a great job of adapting. And then just each year he's improved uh, mentally,
0: physically, and, and just like as a leader as well. It's great. been awesome to see. If you're in practice and you have to be matched up against him, Gary, or McClellan, <laughs> Who's who's the biggest nightmare? Ah man, that's like
1: t- <laughs> that's a tough matchup for anybody in the world. <laughs> uh I gotta go with Gary like uh, Gary's on ball defense is the best I've ever really? gone against, yeah. But I mean they all do it so well. They're all so quick laterally, but yeah. G B was the toughest to score on for me. But I was also younger when Gary was playing, so yeah, I might have got a little better when I was playing. And solid. He, Gary had that like he, he looked like he had that dad strength,
0: too. Oh, yeah, man.
1: My uh, summer coming in, my dad had coached Gary in a in a kind of all-state game, and he's like, do you realize you have to go wrestle like a grizzly bear every day in practice? <laughs> he's like, just wait until you try to come off a screen with Gary Bell guarding you. And mm-hmm. he was so right. I felt like I had a better chance fighting a grizzly bear. Like <laughs> He was so strong, and he, he knew the game so well already that, like, he had the little tricks up his sleeve that's something everybody figures out like silas now there's tricks that he didn't know his freshman or sophomore year that you know maybe you can dive under a screen here or you can shade a guy this way Mm -hmm. that that really makes him elite defenders
0: have you ever been dunked on or gotten your shot swatted by jonathan williams
1: uh nothing nothing crazy (laughs) the craziest block that ever happened was Elias like threw me into the stands. He's <laughs> like, yeah, that's not going to work here. That's freshman year. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, all right, this but is what I'm nah, in for. But J3 never got me too good. I mean, he blocks
0: everybody's shots. but My, my favorite crazy. is when he gets kind of behind somebody who's not even laying it in. Like, he had a couple in the tournament... Uh, there was one, I think, against Northwestern, probably against South Dakota, where he'll just slap it into the backboard. And it's not like <laughs> the the LeBron James blocks where they kind of pin it. Yeah. Like, he'll just volleyball slap it yeah. off the back. It's like, how does he, the way he elevates the length of his arm, I mean, just yeah. he makes crazy plays. Great timing, to play. too. Yeah. He does a really good job with what that. What have you thought about his kind of continual growth this year? And we've seen it this last stretch. He's been... Unbelievable, But it seemed like he kind of had to figure it out a little bit this senior year, having a little bit more on his shoulders and not having a guy like Shem that could set him up and facilitate yep. so much for him.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, last year with Shem and Zebo, J3, and Killian, like, mm-hmm. teams just had to really focus on one of those bigs, opened up a lot of stuff with double teams, obviously Nigel's penetration. I think J3 got a lot easier buckets last year. Um, this year he's been tested because he's been probably the defense's primary you know got a game plan against so he saw some things and some stunts that he wasn't used to but to his credit he's figuring it out and i think six straight games with a double double yeah. um, and he's just really got on the glass so it he maybe wasn't getting as many easy touches or touches in general but he's figured out getting on the old boards and um just kind of figuring out this team style and everything he can do to, to be successful.
2: As far as Jonathan Williams, he is peaking at the right time, and he right now leads the team in points and rebounds, which has not been done since Casey Calvary back in 2001. Oh, wow. So it has been a long time since someone has dominated the, the stats like he is doing for his team. Kelly Olenek was really close, but uh, Harris had him for like, of a rebound so he didn't technically get it but it was very close there and also uh, it's worth mentioning that Jonathan Williams I think is going to be if the season ended today uh, the lowest tying score on the team since Pangos his freshman year Hmm. and I think they had the same I think it's 13.8 I think 13.8 points right now so it's interesting because you don't have that elite score Mm -hmm. but you have someone who's doing something that's elite at the same time as far as uh, doing everything for your squad, scoring, rebounding, and defensively, which is nothing we can really quantify as far as stats go outside of a block. Mm-hmm. But he is such an important piece because they don't have, as you mentioned, the the Sham or the Zeebo down low, or you know Tilly can help, but not in the ways that he was helping last year. He is like the focal point down there, and I think that led to a lot of struggles early in the year, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, just him trying to find his role offensively while doing so much defensively.
0: Do you think this year, because last year they were able to just, hey, Mike Dom, shut him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Trayvon blew it. Mm-hmm. Or Darius Thornwell, shut that guy down. Do you think they have the luxury to do that this year because they don't have a Collins and a Shemek on the back end or a guy like Nigel who played lockdown defense? Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough, um, you know, depending obviously
1: who you play, but a lot of it, It looks like one guy is stopping him, but it's a lot of team defense too, where um, you know if he does get beat, you got help side there, or you bluff at him, stuff like that. Um, So we'll see with the tournament. That's going to be a big test, and without the two big rim protectors, because Zach and Shemek were two of the best rim protectors I've ever witnessed. Even if they weren't blocking shots, Mm -hmm. they were changing your shot, or they were Mm -hmm. making you kick, whatever. Uh, We don't really have that same style this year, but... I'm interested to see how they match J three up in the tournament because we also have to keep him out of foul trouble, and we have to keep him energized and, and not tired so that we can get him the ball because he's going to be a huge point of uh, point of emphasis offensively once the tournament hits for sure.
2: It's and I was just going to say that's a big thing with Jonathan Williams too because last year I think last year Jonathan Williams scored ten points like in the first seven minutes of a game and then he would just kind of fade. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a very big ebbs and flows guy. Like mm-hmm. when when you see him have energy, it's just a it's like he's like the Hulk. Yeah. It's like you yeah. can't stop him, and then he just kind of peters out there for mm-hmm. a stretch, and then eventually he gets like an N one or a block, and he gets him going again. He is someone that you have to continuously generate energy for. Sort of like I mean, the complete game that we can all look back to was the Florida game, yeah. where he just, I mean, they just decided to play him one on one, and yeah. that was so a bad,
0: like, bad idea.
2: <laughs> never adjusted. They're like screw it, we're gonna yeah. keep
0: doing this. The one thing I wonder now is. It started with, I guess, that 15th season. You really saw it in the 16th season. You saw it last year after the BYU let down. Can you give us a sense of what the coaches are doing? Because they, they've consistently had this team playing to their peak in the WCC tournament and continuing to the NCAA tournament. And I don't know if something changed. Obviously, we talked about the Wichita State game being a tough matchup, but you guys didn't look great against Southern either. Mm -mm. And then you looked good against Oklahoma State and Arizona. I mean, that was a really difficult matchup for anybody. But even if if teams have played you tough, there's been instances where that's been the case and you guys weather the storm. There's been instances in 16 where you blow everybody away with how you play in the first weekend. Um, can you give us a sense of what the coaches are doing, what buttons are pressing, what's happening inside the locker room to get this team playing at such a high level when it really does matter the most?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, and it's just as much
1: the players as it is the coaches. Um, the coaches do start to coach a little differently this time of year. Uh, they, they prepare harder. They watch more film. They do everything and, to try to put you in the position to win. But it's also on the team to be able to call somebody out if they're slacking in a practice. Like, come on, dude, we're about to play in the NCAA tournament. Like, figure this, sh- figure this out. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it, it goes to both the coaches and the, the players. Just being able to, you know, trust your teammates and know that everybody put in the same effort to, to be successful and watch the same amount of film, study the same amount of whatever tendencies they do and just be able to apply the game plan because the game plan the coaches give us is the best possible game plan. Mm. Tommy Lloyd, B. Mike, Donnie, Coach Few, um, even the DBOs and the grad assistants, everybody, uh, that's a lot of smart people in one room. (laughs) And they come up with a really good game plan and as long as you execute that game plan, you're gonna come out successful. Final week of the regular season, what do you wanna see? I'd like to see us roll San Diego. Oh, I'd like to see us roll I think both. We talked of them. about that last time. Yeah. <laughs> it like, didn't happen. I'm impressed I was really impressed with San Diego uh, last game, but I just like to see us go in there and kind of puff our chest and and give them give them a good victory, uh, especially so Jack Beach can get some hometown love. <laughs> but and then BYU, it's you know you're going to get their best shot. We probably get their top 2 games of the year every year to be honest. They just don't get up for every game, but they will certainly get up for this game. So, uh, just do anything we can to win that game, and I'll be really happy going into the postseason.
2: Yeah, and and the big thing is with San Diego, for for a lot of people who might not know them, very defensive oriented. So, you know, don't be surprised if Gonzaga scores seventy-five, and you know, or it's seventy points or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be. Uh, as long as Gonzaga defensively does its job, yep. that's something to look forward to versus w- how the offense is going to look. because mm-hmm. San Diego is one of the best, actually. I think they're top 25, at least, in defensive efficiency or whatnot. So that's just a focus, and yeah, the BYU game is going to be interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. How's Mark Morris looking? Great. Uh, <laughs> they got a state game this Saturday. I won't be there because I'm going to visit a friend in Utah. Poor planning on my part. But, uh, they <laughs> well, just... Are you
0: going to the game? uh, In Provo?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go. No, oh, no, that's... Wait, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Ah, Why why would I not go to that game, too? Are you in Salt Lake? I'm going to be with four guys, though. I don't know if we'll be able to snag tickets, but... That's a, I didn't worth, even think about learning. it. I'm going to can the. Can you
0: snag? Don't you have some connections that can help you get tickets? <laughs> I thought I did until this year started, but uh, until the big games roll around. But this is on the road. It might be easier, right?
1: Yeah, and I do have a friend who plays at BYU, so I might have oh, to get some tickets from him. <laughs> Barrett
0: Barrett Henderson is getting tickets for Craig Robinson on road games. <laughs> yeah, sure, you have more pull than yeah,
1: that. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I honestly didn't think about it this whole time we were talking. Because like, <laughs> Friday I'm gonna go watch. Uh, Portland plays in Utah Friday I believe. Oh nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna to try to go to that and see Zach. But yeah, I better get on the phone after this yeah, yeah. and get some tickets for Saturday. Breaker
0: connections is do, do the Monarchs have enough to make a real run, you think? Uh I mean it's tough. I haven't seen a lot of teams in two a
1: Washington, but I think they're definitely the best coach team, that's for sure. <laughs> they they're they're really talented offensively. When they do the little things they're really good though.
0: Can anybody mess with Gonzaga Pratt?
1: Uh, that's tough, man. That is a really good team, and the way it's set up, they're not going to play Richland in the championship. They would play in the semis. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure if they can beat Richland another time around, they'll be state champs for sure. That's a really I think good. Federal team.
0: Way is the other four A team mm-hmm. that's undefeated and ranked really high, and they they've always got yeah. Talent. Federal Way
1: is always good too, and then you got some like enum is good. And you got some of the Vancouver schools like Skyview and Union. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to my dad about this because after state tournament, if he like whenever he was bounced or however far he went he was always able to go to wcc Hmm. like watch our championships but like tommy and coach few are not even going to be able to watch if they their kids go to state championship they'll never be able to watch them win a state championship yeah like that's crazy that's just part of the job i guess but that's that's tough that's a rough deal your kids playing for a state title and and you got to be taking care of your own business
0: i don't know unless they feel really confident about that saturday quarterfinal game yeah yeah
2: (laughs) I I also want to uh, I want to quickly give um, a shout out to someone Brad Dawson and he brought up a point and I want you guys to weigh in on it that he's saying that he doesn't necessarily believe maybe Gonzaga is getting the credit they deserve this year uh, mostly because you lost eight guys off the roster four of which were premier players mm-hmm. who, who saw significant minutes uh, it's just is Gonzaga. Is it gotten to the point where people nationally have gotten bored with Gonzaga? But at the same time, is this team, who by the way, if they run the table, gets thirty wins in a season, not necessarily getting the credit they deserve for being able to do that with everything they lost?
0: I should just year run ago. the soundbite from Silas from a week ago. He's we talking about them always being slept on.
2: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Is like I I don't think we bring that up enough. Where it's like you know they lost, like almost their entire roster or half of their roster after a national championship run and here they are again you know possibly getting a 30 win regular season with the wcc tournament involved
1: yeah i don't mind it just because i like being slept on Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's good not to have any of the national spotlight right now Mm -hmm. last year we we had it just because we were undefeated yeah but people still weren't respecting us Mm -hmm. everybody still wanted to see us lose no one thought we were going to do anything in the tournament and it's the same story every year. There's No one's gonna believe in Gonzaga mm-hmm. except for the 15 guys and the five or six coaches until you really prove it. So mm-hmm. I don't have any problem with us going into the, the media spotlight. I really haven't heard anybody talk about us though. <laughs>
2: It's, it's remarkable. They're, they're tied for sixth in the country right now. Since
0: the PK-80. Uh, and, you know, I think the the performance against Villanova had something to do with mm-hmm. it because that's such a marquee game, ESPN. Yeah. It's a primetime game. And Gonzaga just didn't play very well. Yeah. And Villanova looked very much the part of the number one team in the country. And then there's a slip-up against San Diego State. Then there's a slip-up. I, I, I think it just takes time for people to come around when you have some of those setbacks, I think where you will hear that is during the first week of the NCAA tournament. Uh, maybe Gonzaga, you know, wins their first game. Maybe they sneak up to like a three seed or something mm-hmm. like that, and you start to see the national columnists kind of take notice. And they have their full resume. Gonzaga at that point would be what is it nine now 11, 14 straight wins. Um, so I I think it comes around. I just think again it has something to do with a WCC school being tucked up in the northwest where yeah. you know the yeah. it, it takes something like last year for people to really put a close microscope on it is it a slight to the program maybe a little bit but it's also been a year where everybody's been up and down mm-hmm. and you know is peaking at the right time and i think if they continue to do that then you're going to see people really pat mark few in the program on the back for like you said mm-hmm. where they've gotten after last and i think I think last year has something to do with it too, because you're never gonna match up to what they did a season ago, um, short of again getting back to the Final Four. And so, people I think have a natural tendency to say, "Well, we gave you all this love last year. Yeah. If you're not quite at that level, mm-hmm. then maybe we'll mm-hmm. turn our attention to these guys for yeah. a little bit." I don't know. Yeah, I
1: think you're. I think you're right. And I think after the first weekend of the tournament, you win both games here. Everybody's gonna come and say, mm-hmm. "Gonzaga's like, for real this year mm-hmm. again." Yeah. <sighs> no NCAA championship hangover all the stuff they said but it takes for us to really like win big games and show teams for them to to ever pay attention yeah cool
0: yeah um, well appreciate the question Brad if mm-hmm. you have questions send them at uh, at Krem Evan at Trip on twitter happy to get to them uh, this so, is I fun. need to change
1: my Twitter name to at cremrem. <laughs> no, just at cr- cr- <laughs> cr- <laughs> cr- <laughs> We'll get rid of the at crem handle and just give it to you. Just crem. <laughs> like
2: tiny K, and just capitalize all the caps are. That'd be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, it, man.
0: Yeah,
1: thank you, for
2: me. Appreciate you being here.